Good morning. Good to be back. In spite of the years of the ranching, I was born in 1935. He asked me while we were in the little room, how old are you, Pastor? I said, 89, 89. I'm not complaining. The Lord has been good. I retired into a senior residence in a village, but we are all self-supporting. In other words, we take care of ourselves yet. I don't know how long. <laughs> uh, but I praise the Lord for each day. I can still drive. Do a little cooking, a very little cooking. I wish I learned more. I blame myself, but it's one water under the bridge. My wife is gone. Nobody teach me anymore. But the Lord has been good, folks. The Lord has been good. And it is a privilege to live in these days. A very, very critical time. Very critical time. The topic of my sermon is true light. True light. Scripture says, in him was life, and the life was the light of man. Life original, life unborrowed, Life underived. Now, brethren, I try to illustrate it today in my sermon that this is extremely important when it comes to salvation issue that we understand that Jesus is co-eternal, co-equal with the Father. He's not a inferior God. Not an inferior God. Critical thinking versus emotional thinking. Uh, That's another burden I have this morning. Critical thinking. We read in the scriptures that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians. Because they searched the scriptures daily where the things were so. After they listened to Paul, so we checked this guy out. We have to do more searching in these days, more searching. Uh, Plato said, uh, oh, almost four hundred years before Christ that we can easily forgive a child who is afraid of dark. The real tragedy of life is when grown-ups are afraid of light. Let me read the basic text. In him was life. And the life was the light of man. Of course, it speaks about Jesus. Scripture says in John, and if you like to turn to the first epistle, no, first gospel, first chapter, not, not even the first gospel, first chapter of John, verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, and this man came for a witness to bear a witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And now we come to a critical text that was a true light which gives light to every man who comes into the world. He was in the world. The world was made by him. 
and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave him power to become the sons of God. Now, brethren, may I emphasize, sonship is a salvation issue. It's not optional. You remember when Nicodemus came to Christ during the night and Nicodemus complimented Jesus. Oh, we know you are from God because nobody can do those things that you do unless God is with him. But at that point, Nicodemus did not yet recognize the full divinity of Christ. Acknowledge him as a prophet, but not as the son of a living God. The compliment was really not a compliment. Did you get it? The compliment was not really a compliment. What was the response of Jesus? You must be born again. Unless you are born of the Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God, neither can you enter the kingdom. How can it be? How can it be? He asked. Can a man return to his mother's womb? Obviously not. But what was that classical statement? Hidden in his heart for three years. And after the resurrection, he told John about this secret visit. Nobody else knew. But what was his response? Jesus says, As Moses lifted up the serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Brethren, that's still true. In fact, we need the truth more than ever. We must behold the uplifted Christ, the true light that lights everyone who comes into the world. You remember the trial on that fateful Friday morning, early morning? And please consider this in the light of critical thinking and emotional thinking. Critical thinking and emotional thinking. We are told that the Sadducees and the Pharisees stirred up the multitudes, uh, lower class of people, and they just shouted, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Emotional thinking was dominating those people. Not critical thinking, emotional. And brethren, sometimes we are subject to the same problems. I have to guard myself. Oh. at 89 and, and if you are a few years less you still have to guard yourself okay but what was Pilate asking in response to the multitude he says shall I crucify your king and what did the leaders answer to that question. We have no king. We have only Caesar. What was written on the cross in Re, if you remember those initials? Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Shall I crucify your king? I, I, I like that conversation when Jesus was not answering immediately Pilate and Pilate became a little bit impatient and asked Jesus don't you know don't you know that I have power to release you and I have power to crucify you 
You are not answering me? And what was Jesus answering? You would have no power over me unless it was given from above. Therefore the sin of those who delivered me to you is a greatest. But you would have no power. It's given to you. Ah. The beauty of his character, his, his glory, his love, his patience, his long-suffering. You remember in the garden when Peter drew out his sword and chopped off the ear of the high priest servant? Jesus says, put it away, Peter. Put that away. Couldn't I ask my heavenly father and ask Three legions of angels and just clear up this mess. Just one word. But how would the scriptures be fulfilled? The issue is the scripture. It was in the beginning, still is and will be to the very end. One of the psalmists says, I have exalted my words above my name. Now, you understand the name of the Lord is pretty well exalted. What do we read in Philippians? That every knee should bow heaven and earth and confess that Lord, that Jesus is Lord to the honor and glory of the Father. I mean, there is no other name like that. But don't forget the Psalms where it says, <clears throat> I exalt my word above my name. Extremely important, especially in these last days. If you lived in Jerusalem at the time of the crucifixion, you have to remember that it was a Babylonian captivity that cured the Jews from idolatry. Finally, they learned if they want the Lord blessings, they can not worship idols. You remember that? I'm paraphrasing spiritual prophecy. What is the shame that they recite Sabbath after Sabbath after Sabbath? The shame says, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and so on and so on. But it begins with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And now comes a rabbi from Nazareth, from that city no good things could come in the public opinion. And he claims divinity. It's not easy to decide. It's never been easy. And brethren, if we need to study, we need to study now what you believe, why you believe, May I make a short reference to his remark? Uh, Ron made the remark that, you know, read that little book. Read that little book. Do you know that there are four heavy books published against that doctrine? 
And there are books published in favor of that too. But brethren, do we do critical thinking or emotional thinking? It's a very important issue. I'm struggling with it. They say when you get old, you get more emotional. I feel it. It's not always a plus, you know, plus. Just, they reminded me, who speaks softer, not everybody is deaf like you, speak softer. So if I ask you to repeat yourself, just remember that my hearing is diminishing, unfortunately. And there are other side effects of 89 years. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. I praise the Lord for each day. But the facts are facts. The facts are facts. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. And yet Jesus claim divinity. No political party saves you. Only Jesus saves you. No politicians saves you. Trump is promising much. And I'm not predicting, but he might become the president unless they murder him. <coughs> Nothing would surprise me, brethren. Nothing would surprise me. Nothing. But no politician can save you. Only Jesus saves you. No church or culture can save you. I am a committed Seventh-day Adventist. I consider a privilege to be a Seventh-day Adventist. I'm a conservative one. I don't know if it's a plus or not. I am, okay? A historicist. But the church is not my savior. It cannot save me. Scripture says, chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name. Extremely important verse. Extremely important verse. To become the sons and daughters of God. It's a salvation issue, brother. It's just, there's no buts about it. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the world, and the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In John 14, Jesus tells his disciples, I am leaving you. I don't like the announcement. I don't blame them. And Philip asked Jesus, show us a father, it will be sufficient to all of us. And you remember the answer that Jesus gave to Philip 
and to everybody else, to us too, in 2024. How long have I been with you, Phillips? You have seen me as seen the Father. Now, brethren, this is an absolute claim. You cannot claim more. You follow me? I mean, what title do you want? Whatever you want, you cannot claim more. Every Jew knew that the ultimate God was the Father. There was no question about the Father. It was a question about the Son. And we are still questioning that. And there is a question about the Holy Spirit. But there is no question about the Father. Jesus made an absolute claim. Nobody could claim more than that. He who has seen me has seen the Father. Yes, in him was life. Original, unborrowed, underived. I'm quoting the spirit of prophecy here. It's extremely important. Extremely important. And this life was the light of man. Not only was, still is. Still is. And you get old. Another symptom that your memory lets you down. I didn't want to write it out, but I had to write it out so that you will not say this old man doesn't know what he's talking about, okay? (sighs) True light. I'd like to share a few episodes from the Gospel of John that demonstrate this. Jesus wanted to teach them something that was absolutely essential to their salvation. Essential to justification by faith. Uh, Justification by faith has been an issue at the gate of the garden between Cain and Abel. Correct? Right there. Justification by faith was the issue at the time of Noah. He built the ark and he preached for how many years? 300? 120, thank you. Helps. You know, combined memory is still helpful. <laughs> 120 years. But the worldly wise, the scientists, never reigned. It's impossible what Noah is preaching. But Noah was authorized by God. He was a man of God. The scripture says Noah found grace before God. One man's word against the multitudes. There is a mystery there. There are a few things that I think I have to wait until the millennium. I, I will have to ask my guardian angels. I will have to ask my scholars up in heaven. And maybe humbly Jesus himself. But how come, Lord, how come? How much evidence an individual needs before he changes his mind? When they saw all the animals walking into the ark. Are you with me? You know the story. They saw all the animals. 
humanly impossible. Lions, tigers, elephants, birds, snakes, everything. Just going in. Peacefully. Now, you and I know that the patriarchs and prophets, the Holy Spirit tells us that holy angels were guiding those, but those angels were not visible. Are you with me? But I believe it. The Holy Spirit tells, reveals certain things to his chosen one. And they still didn't believe. They still did not believe. In fact, he stood at the door on the stairway and extended a last invitation. Then the door was closed. And for one week, they were waiting. The people outside, permanently lost, but they didn't know it yet. Ridiculed Noah. On the seventh day, the cloud started to come. The rain began to come down. And water was shooting up from the ground. And something happened that never happened before. Prophetic word foretold. Those inside were safe. Those on the outside were lost. I like John's testimony again. So there are so many. I, uh, I am in love with these gentlemen. I really love them, admire them. And there are a few ladies there too whom I admire. Equal opportunity, all right. John says, I did not know him. Twice he says, I did not know him. But he who sent me said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining, this is who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen it and testify this is the Son of God. Now, brethren, this is still in the first chapter of John. Essential to their salvation, yes. John the greatest prophet, Jesus himself said, there is no prophet born to a woman who is greater than John the Baptist. And he says, I have seen it, and I testify, this is the Son of God. <clears throat> Testimony to his full divinity. Have you heard of Arians who deny the full divinity of Christ? Muslims do. Jehovah Witnesses do. Jews definitely do. Unitarians do. The other day I was driving, visiting a Hungarian church on... It was a Lutheran Hungarian church. I was invited to huge Lutheran church on Hilliard Boulevard in Rocky River. Now those of you who live by, you know. And across from the Lutheran Church is the Unitarian headquarter for the churches in the area. Now, (coughs) (coughs) 
Sorry, folks. If you go back to history, you know that there were Aryan Caesars. And when I go back to Hungarian history, especially to Transylvania, there were Unitarian princes ruling the country. So Unitarianism is well scattered and known who deny the full divinity of Christ. But if you deny the full divinity of Christ, you must have a false gospel. And may I say, if we have a misunderstanding of the gospel, we are in danger that in the critical time, we will not be able to hold our own. Now, Jesus said to Philip, follow me. Then Philip found Nathaniel and uh, you remember the words Philip said to Nathaniel, we have found him of whom Moses and the prophets have written, Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel says, can any good thing come out? Can any good thing come out? of Nazareth. Philip says, just come and see. Let's not argue. Just come and see. I love this story. It speaks to my heart. So, Nathaniel coming to Jesus. And Jesus says, behold an Israelite, a true Israelite, in whom there is no guide. Now, brethren, if you read the description of the 144,000, a true Israelite, they are blameless, blameless, blameless. So was Job. If you read his description, Job was blameless. But the 144,000, blameless before the throne of God, in whose mouth are no guile or no deception. When Nathaniel heard it, he says, how do you know me? In other words, we never met before. How do you know me? And what was his response, you remember? Jesus says, before Philip called you, I saw you praying under the fig tree. Now, brethren, you have to go to the spirit of prophecy to know the details. We are privileged, but if you don't use that privilege, you miss much. What was Nathaniel praying alone under the freak tree? He understood the 70-week prophecy, importance of time prophecy, importance of time prophecy and this is the time is here but God of Israel help me to recognize when he comes because I don't know how to recognize him he was pouring out his heart so When he asked the question, how do you know me? Jesus says, before Philip called you, I saw you 
under the fig tree. He knew that Jesus understood his prayer. It's not just praying somebody under the fig tree. What was his response? Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. The two identification mark for which Jesus was crucified. Are you with me? The two ID for which Jesus was crucified. But it is essential for our salvation. Just a few incidents about the temptation of Christ. You know the story by heart. I'm just reminding, refreshing your memory. It's Matthew 4. The first temptation. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now, brethren, a classical illustration of critical thinking versus emotional thinking. Are you following me? Emotionally, for 40 days he didn't eat, didn't drink. He was out in the wilderness with the wild beast. And Lucifer says, no, no. God would not treat his son like this. You had to read these outrageous again to get the details, but praise the Lord for these outrageous. God would not treat his son so harshly. Emotional thinking. But just 40 days earlier, at the baptism, the Holy Spirit descended, rested on him, and the Father says, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Just 40 days earlier. And Lucifer tried to persuade Jesus to deny that testimony. 40 days earlier, the word. What was the second temptation? <clears throat> Took him up on the, in Jerusalem, on a high building. Just cast yourself down if you are the Son of God. Again, emotional thinking versus critical thinking. And ultimately the last one took him up to the mountaintop, showed him all the glory and he says, I will give it to you. I will give it to you. If you bow down and worship. Now brethren, may I say this is still an issue. Whom do you worship why do you worship? Whom do you worship? Why do you worship? Briefly, I just like to mention, you remember in chapter 2, at Cana, now please Put in context that Jesus just returned from the 40 days of fasting and temptation. No attends a wedding and turns water into wine. Sanctions. Sanctions. The marriage between a man and a do you know that the Roman Catholic Church is being shaken today? And that <clears throat> prominent Roman Catholic, not Muslims, 
not Unitarians, prominent Roman Catholic, in fact, a former nuncio or ambassador said that the Pope is the Antichrist. The church is really being shaken. The Anglican Church approved the blessing on the same gender marriage. And don't think that we are totally free from this temptation. I just read the report in the review that we have a prominent church in Germany where a prominent pastor married with children came out he says, I am bisexual. Bisexual. And the church struggles with it. Critical thinking versus emotional thinking. Um, in the same chapter, second chapter, briefly, I, I have to quit soon because Time is running out. Uh, uh, when Jesus cleanses the temple, you know the story. But do you get the message behind the story? When he turned the tables, drove out the money changers, nobody dared to resist him. Nobody. What was his cardinal statement? He says, do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. What was his claim? Man, the Jewish people honored the temple as God's temple, correct? God's temple. But he made the claim, it is my father's are you with me, brethren? Full divinity. Full divinity. Yeah. I mentioned Nicodemus. I don't go over there. But the statement is still very relevant. When as Moses lifted up the serpent. That was enough for Nicodemus to join the church, invest all his wealth into the apostolic church. The rich man died poverty stricken. But in his soul he was rich and the presence of the Lord was with him. The woman at the well. Such a beautiful story. I, I can't help but just fall in love with the stories like that. You know the story. She draw the water. Jesus was sitting at the well and she was ready to leave. And Jesus Ask him, would you give me a little drink? And instead of giving a little drink, what was her response? How do you dare, as a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, do you see the beauty, the glory, disciples? said, we have seen the glory as of the only begotten. And Jesus' response, oh, oh, woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who asks you, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And 
She says, oh, well, it's deep. You don't have a pitcher. You don't have ropes. Where would you get that water? Jesus says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give will never thirst again. And the woman says, give me that water that I don't have to come here. She still didn't fully understood. But Jesus worked with her in spite of her limited understanding. Jesus says, call your husband. First, before she could receive the living water, she had to repent. She was living in rope and sin. She says, I have no husband. Jesus says, you spoke the truth because you had five. And the one you have is not your husband. I don't know how it is. I don't want to sin. Sometimes one is too many. <laughs> Forgive me. I couldn't resist that. But what was the end of that conversation? Let me read what the scripture says. Chapter 4, turn with me to John chapter 4, verse 42. Chapter 4, verse 42. Then, speaking the Samaritans, they said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ the Savior of the world. They recognized him long before the people in Jerusalem recognized him. Are you with me? Savior of the world. One more illustration and then I close. Chapter 5 is extremely important. I tell you why. Just listen a few more seconds. Just a few more seconds. You remember Jesus is in Jerusalem, walks by Bethesda. There are hundreds and hundreds of sick people. Jesus desires to heal everyone. But it is a Sabbath day. And if he did... They would cut short his work because of prejudice. But there is one exception. There is one exception. He could not pass off that individual. A man paralyzed and sick for 38 years. Jesus bent over him. He says, do you want to be made whole? And then the man tells Jesus, yes, 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 but while I am coming, somebody steps in the water before me. I have no man to carry me in. And what is Jesus' response? He says, pick up your bed and walk. When the Jews bumped into this man, they said, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. He says, the one who healed me told me to pick up my bed. There's no argument here. Just let me read two more verses and then. Five, verse 21. Five, 
21. For as a father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. Please note, he claims equality with the Father. Verse 23, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. In 26, for as the Father has life in himself, he has granted the Son to have life in himself. Equal right. Equal authority, equal power. Brethren, let's love the Lord. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. And that's a light that lights us. Let's treasure it. Amen. Amen. Loving Father, the beauty of the character of Christ fascinates us. Help us to love that and never forget and help us to look up as Jesus told to Nicodemus as the serpent was lifted up by Moses so must the son of man be lifted up that Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Bless us to that end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.